The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. Hello and welcome to another edition of Setting the Record Straight, a podcast of the Reconstructionist Radio Network. My name is Russell Trewick and I'm pastor of Christ Covenant Church, now in Sweeney, Texas. Today I want to discuss a subject called, and I've entitled it, called Whatever You Do. There are very few times that I meet new people and the first question they ask is, what do you do? The other day someone asked me while on a job what my principal trade was, and I answered, studying the Bible and applying to all of life. Being a husband, being a father, and being a pastor who also farms and does construction and home renovations. I've been waiting for waiting a long time to give that answer. This is where most would put the smiley face emoji. However, let's get back on track. When people ask, what do you do, I know for most it's just an attempt to make small talk with a very surface level question, but what we do seems to be very important to our society. It is important in a secular humanized culture because in many cases, one's value is judged more by what you do than who you truly are. I find it ironic that a humanistic socialistic society that seeks to remove the classes, making us one people or an equal people or all the same, is so infatuated with defining us and valuing our worth by how different we are. In fact, let me start here today with three questions. What is it that you do? Who defines the value of what you do? And why do you do it? Colossians 3, verses 23 through 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving Christ the Lord. First, let's take into consideration the question of what do you do? In the theme passage in Colossians, it says that whatever you do, work heartily. Many people take this at face value and start at the wrong spot. Since we are sinful, broken, and fallible men, we are selfishly motivated in our thinking. For many think that if they work hard at whatever they do, God will be pleased. Starting with this self-centered approach in many cases reveals the God we are pleasing is the God of self. Truly, we must ask ourselves if what we are doing is God-honoring in the first place. You can't believe that based purely on the motto of whatever you do work heartily, that both a family physician and an abortionist are equally pleasing to God. Yes, both are doctors, yet while one seeks to provide care and well-being for the overall health of the family throughout time, the other is a paid assassin to aid in the murder of the pre-born image-bearer of God. What you do is important in whether it pleases God and honors His law word. Now, I'm not asking you to compare the value of what you do to another vocation. We'll talk about value in a moment. We need to ask ourselves, what is it that we do? Are we doing anything at all? 
I believe we are to be a people that work heartily at whatever we do, whether we are a husband or wife, a mom or dad, a garbage man, an engineer, a lawyer, a pastor, a blogger, a farmer, or a construction worker, or anything else. Whatever we do, we are called to work at it and work hard at it. We are to labor heartily with all of our being. Even the widow or the poor, when they, the, they were gleaning the fields, had to work hard and for the remnants of the corners of the field or whatever fell to the ground. They worked heartily, for if they had not, they would not have eaten. Whether in times of feast or famine, good times or hard times, whatever we do, we must work with all of our being. Second, let's look at the next question. Who defines the value of what you do? People, both Christians and non-Christians alike, struggle in this area. That is why there are so many self-help gurus on the market. In fact, the secular world has the corner on this market, and do you think they are teaching from a biblical worldview? No way. It seems that people struggle with shame regarding what they do. I believe the two most important vocations we have today are mothers and garbage men. I tip my hat to my wife as she not only runs our household, taking care of every little detail on the home front, including the principal finances over the home, while homeschooling our four children. She is my Proverbs 31 wife, although she would never acknowledge that herself. Garbage men, on the other hand, have one of the most underappreciated jobs, yet communities cannot function without them. They have to work in all kinds of weather and in, in disgusting conditions, and their day isn't over until the routes are completed. The value of your vocation, your work, is not found in the opinions of man, even if you work for someone else, but the value of your vocation and work is in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 23-24 goes on to say, after it says, Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men. The value in our work is based in the one who that called us and appointed us to that work. Nothing we do in all of life is insignificant. It is purposeful, and when we allow others outside of Christ to determine the value of our work, it immediately is devalued and loses any significance and purpose to this life. I am skilled in many areas of construction, but one day I was asked to pick up trash on a job site. I wasn't sure if the guy was just doing it to jerk me around, but I remembered this scripture and I, who actually I work for, and if the Lord had asked me to pick up trash, regardless of all of my other abilities not being used, I would never have questioned him and would have done this job with gladness. In addition, the guy was paying me $20 an hour to pick up trash. You can't make that kind of money at a fast food restaurant doing the same job. In most cases, when you allow others to value your work or what you do, they will never see the actual value, but depreciate it. So, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, a trade laborer, or a doctor, the value of what you do is applied by whom you allow to value it. If it is the Lord Jesus Christ, then nothing else matters. In addition, don't compare your work to that of others in levels of, of importance. Each person must do the work the Lord has appointed for them to do, and each vocation or work is as important in God's kingdom purpose as the next. I'm reminded that 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12-20 says, 
For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You see, if if each member of the body is important to the local gathering of believers, then so should their work equally be as well. Thirdly, is the last question. Why do you do what you do? Last week I worked with another contractor and one of his helpers. Usually this contractor tells people that I'm a Christian and a pastor, but this guy, he did not. This guy tried to, quote-unquote, win me to the Lord, not knowing that I am a follower of Christ. But his methodology revealed more to me about his ultimate worldview and application of Scripture. His first questions were, What do you think about Donald Trump? And I answered, Not much. He asked, don't you think God gave us just what we needed for our country in Donald Trump? I answered, if you mean God's judgment on our nation by continuing to give us wicked men to rule over us, then yes. He says, well, well, Donald Trump supports Israel. Don't you think that supporting Israel is important? I answered, are you talking about the modern day nation of Israel, of unrepentant, idolatrous apostates who are against our Lord Jesus Christ, or... Are you talking about the people of God, Christians who are righteous, having the faith of Abraham? He looked puzzled, and then he asked, Do you believe that things are going from bad to worse, and do you even believe in the rapture of the church? I answered him plainly. I believe that if you look at history, there were evil times in history as bad as this one. But we have the greatest holocaust of all time through abortion. 60 million babies murdered, 3,000 more each day, not just by the wickedness of men, but by the apathy, complacency, and even permission of churches in America. This evil is not only perpetrated by those who claim to be Christian many times, but it still exists because quote-unquote Christians are waiting for a 200 to 250-year-old false teaching to come true and rescue them out of a mess they have created. They are living in full disobedience to Christ's commands in Matthew 28, 18-20 to disciple the nations. They have relinquished their authority and power contained in Christ's promise in Matthew sixteen eighteen that the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church and have retreated to the last outpost as Satan besieges them, waiting for the Lord's deliverance when rather he has called us to be the army of God and storm the gates of hell. The church doesn't need rescuing, sir. It needs to repent. Some might say I need to reread the book How to Win Friends and Influence People because of my straightforwardness, but I think we need to be blunt with those who claim to be Christian and yet remain willfully ignorant of Scripture. You see, this guy had a worldview problem in general and an eschatological 
one on top of it. Ask him, why do you even try to witness to anyone and tell them about Jesus if you believe that you can speed his return by more and more evil coming into this world? And why do you work besides feeding your belly and paying bills if the end result is pointless and all will be destroyed? See, Colossians 3, 23-24 is important in regards to our worldview and eschatology in general as it goes on to say, I'll read the whole thing from beginning to end. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. I then shared with him a familiar parable regarding the kingdom of God in Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, which reads, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to to him them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had made two made two more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made you two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had also received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he will, he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I asked him, which of the servants were rewarded and which one was condemned? I asked him, according to his worldview, which one of the servants was he most living like? He was silent. I told him what R.J. Rushton said, Work becomes holy when it is governed by God's law word and eschatology. I told him that if we believe that God is sovereign over all things and he is ordained from our years down to the final seconds of our lives, that I, that I will work hard at whatever I do until my last breath. There is nothing I can do that will add or take away from my life. The difference is one of eschatology or how I view the last things. I am working to build his kingdom using every available ability and resource afforded to me, and you are hiding your talent, waiting 
for all that God has called His church to be and to do to be destroyed. You are acting like the servant that has been hidden, that has hidden what the Master has given him and invested in him, and you have nothing to show for it. You need to repent of your sin of disobedience and apathy and follow him, lest you are not of Christ. And he cast you into the other darkness of the pit of hell. For myself, I long to hear my Savior say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter in the joy, into the joy of your master. The man said he would consider it. For the believer, what is there to consider? I prayerfully hope he does. So why do you work? Is it to earn a paycheck? Is it to fund your hopes, dreams, and aspirations? Or is it to build the kingdom of God? Whatever you do, brothers and sisters in Christ, work with all your heart unto the Lord Jesus Christ, understanding that it is unto Him you do it, and for His kingdom's sake. The reward is heavenward, but it is a fruitful one for generations to come. In closing, I'd like to share one of my favorite songs we use as a call to worship at Christ Covenant Church, which is called Build Your Kingdom Here by Rend Collective. Obviously, we're not an exclusive psalmody or hymnody church, yet I, I leave you to listen to this song and its words. Until next time, God bless you and yours. Come set your rule and reign In our hearts again Increase in us we pray Unveil why we're made Come set our hearts ablaze With hope like wildfire in our very souls Holy Spirit come invade us now We your church we need your power in us we seek your kingdom first we hunger and we thirst refuse to waste our lives for you are our joy and prize to see the captive hearts released the hurt, the sick, the poor
darkness clear. Show your mighty hand. Heal our streets and land. Set your church. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks. 